Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. And now, Trey Biddy is brought to you by Chris Crane Hyundai, Arkansas's number one Hyundai dealer, and Genesis of Conway, Arkansas's only Genesis dealer. Genesis of Conway, the future of luxury today. Ray Tucker on Drive Time Sports is brought to you by Guatney Buick GMC. Well, welcome, Trey. Hey. <laughs> You're with Ray and Rick today. Randy's out. How'd you enjoy the weekend? It's a good weekend. Good weekend. Baseball team went two, uh, two and one. Should have gone three and oh, but uh, two and one. And uh, some incredible pitching. And then uh, basketball team with a nice win. Chance to go on a winning streak uh, with a big game against Vanderbilt. So, yeah, it's a good weekend as far as Razorback sports go. I'm a suit. Did you were you at the basketball game this weekend? No, actually, uh, Connor went for okay. us. I'll be back on right. at Vanderbilt. So I've been to, I've been to most of them this year, but uh, I, I watched from home against. Uh, well, then you didn't see it in person. So <clears throat> I've had the privilege yeah. of being around Razorback basketball for uh, well over 40 years, but I, I don't go much anymore. I still watch it, but I'm talking about observing and knowing what's going on. You know, that's the 13th time, Khalif Battle, the 13th time a Razorback has ever scored 40 points in a game. I w- yeah. I'd worked either as SID or radio for 34 years. I saw it twice. That's how rare it is. I saw Joe Klein yeah. do it, and I saw Todd Day do it. It is rare to score 40 in a game. What do you think of his performance? Yeah. Um, well, I think Rodney did it after uh, yeah. you were I saw that. Oh, excuse me. I did see that one. You're right. I saw that one, yeah. too. So I saw three of them. Yeah, but uh, still seventh most, I think, all time in Arkansas history. Yeah. You know, I thought what was maybe not as impressive as, as scoring 42, but to go 14 to 14 from the free throw line, yeah. play 38 minutes without a single turnover, uh, just a, a great game. And what he was coming off 18 in the previous game and 15 before that. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is a guy that opened up the first two games of the season with 21 points in each of them and had scored over 20 in several and then just, I think, all but. Ole Miss and Kentucky before this last three-game stretch, I think he'd been in single digits for every SEC game this season. And so he's not what I thought he was going to be when Arkansas got him and how, you know, based on how he was playing earlier in the year. Like right now he's playing well above that, obviously at 42 points. But, you know, I think the the real guy that we, you know, thought we were going to see all year was probably somewhere in between. Uh, you know, a guy that would put up 15 a game or something like that. That's what I was expecting out of Caleb Battle. So it's good to see he's finally found his groove. Hopefully it'll continue. I mean, it all feels like a little bit too little too late with the basketball team kind of finding a groove. And, you know, they've got some tough games to finish the schedule out. But uh, they've got a chance to put three in a row together against Vanderbilt again and not another, uh, you know, not another really good SEC team. Now winning at Texas A&M, a bubble team on the road, that's certainly hard to do. And, um, you know, Missouri's Missouri and Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt, but uh, they have some opportunities coming up here, Kentucky and Alabama and LSU. So they have some opportunities to get some big wins and maybe get out of that first weekend or excuse me, that first uh, day of games in the SEC tournament. And I don't know, who knows, maybe they could make a run. I mean, I'm not projecting that at all. I don't think that's what's going to happen. No. I mean, we've been fooled by this team so many times. But for them to – make it to the postseason, you know, they could get an NIT bid, and then I think you start asking, would they take an NIT bid? Because you start looking at the roster, like who's 
who's coming back next year, you know, and uh, is the NIT something? I mean, what do you think? You think that they would, with this roster right now, come back? Absolutely. And, uh, Here, here's why you the do NIT? it. The NIT okay. is every bit the equivalent of the Liberty Bowl uh, or, or bowls of that nature. When you think that there are 41 bowls, that means out of 125 Division One teams, 82 of them get to go to bowl games. In basketball, there's 360-some-odd teams, and 100 of them get to go to postseason. So absolutely, you have to do it no matter who's on the team and no matter who's coming back. you you got to do it. Now, NIT wasn't good. good enough for Stan Heath. Well, he was, <laughs> yeah, he was kind of told don't accept the bid, and that probably was a mistake on his part. He probably should have said, oh, we want to play. And uh, it, it cost him later. So anyway. But yeah. I think it would be a well, hey, Nolan, at, Nolan Richardson had uh, fi- national championship, final four, sweet 16, mm-hmm. NIT. And his NIT yep. team won three te- three games in the tournament. So it, it helped yep. toward the future. Yeah, but, but I mean, it, but you it look is at different. This, yeah, you look at the roster, though. I mean, so Caleb Battle could come back. He would be a six year guy uh, if he came back. Oh, he can. obviously could come back. Yeah, yeah I, Battle I, I didn't know back. Battle could come back. Wow. He would have a – he has a COVID year available to him. He had a wow. red shirt year, um, one year for a medical. So, you had to play in fewer than 30% of the game. So, he, he did that uh, and took a medical in 21-22. Um, so, Battle, Minifield could come back. Brazil could come back. But, you know, I think a lot of us think he'll probably move on. Right. Uh, L. Ellis is done. Devo could come back. Pinion could come back. Blocker could come back. Denajay Harris is, is done after this year. Chandler Lawson is done. Uh, Bay Fall obviously come back. Jalen Graham's done. Tremont Mark could come back. Mackay, Mackay is a fifth-year senior, but he he had a year in – so I don't know how 2020, 2021 works in Florida because he was injured that year and played in fewer than 30% of the games. But that was the COVID year also. So does that – could you take a medical for that year? I don't know I if don't that – I don't know. That, that would be a seventh year. I, I don't I don't know. It would be uh, a sixth. Sixth. I don't know that I would count on him. I don't know if, how yeah. many of those you could count on, but you're talking about a lot of guys I'm just saying theore- theoretically – I'm saying theoretically could he come back. But he's – the difference with him in battle is battle is listed as having taken a red shirt that year, and Mackay is not listed as that. So I, I don't know if he just didn't apply for it or if it wasn't available because it was the COVID year or, or what exactly. But um, And then Jeremiah Davenport is also out of eligibility after this year. So you've got – I mean, most of these guys are going to are gonna move on one way or another. I mean, I say, like, you know, Tremont Mark could come back, but I, I think he'll probably, you know, test out the pro landscape, and I think Brazil will probably do that too. And, you know, Battle for basketball players, they don't really come back for six years very, very often. It's just a matter no. of could they, if they wanted to. But usually, you don't see that. But isn't it interesting that two weeks ago we were talking about there might be two guys coming back? We just don't know. Mm-hmm. And here's here's what Musselman would have to weigh, is when you talk about guys like Mark, battle the way he's playing now, can he get better players than that out of the transfer portal? I'm not sure, but battle scoring 42, to me accentuates the absolute craziness of this season because there's a guy that hadn't started till three or four games ago. He was good in December to horrible for a while. And now all of a sudden, and now you have to say, what if he'd have been playing all the time? Maybe, mm-hmm. Would they have won more games? Was there a reason he wasn't playing? I mean, we, we don't know. It's, it, I mean, this explain Keon Minifield while you're doing that. I mean, going for what, 32? 
yeah. in his third game. <laughs> right. Is it Razorback? I mean, yeah. I mean, obviously with Mark, we understand that a little bit better. He went for 34 against North Carolina and 35 yeah. against Texas A&M. You know, he's been a little bit more consistent. Yes. It's over 17 points a game. Uh, but for Minifield to do, you know, go over 30, that's very surprising. And then for Battle, the, just the way SEC play has gone, and he looked like a guy that's capable of getting hot and doing something like that. But just the way SEC play has gone, you wouldn't have expected 42 out of him. So pretty remarkable. No. I mean, his whole game, he had six rebounds, no turn, no turnovers in 38 yeah. minutes to put up that yeah. many points in 14 of 14 from the foul line. It's really rare feat. Yeah, you got to figure he took, okay, so one of his free throws was on a uh, four-point play, and yep, so that means 13 other free throws. Um, I don't know how to equate that because you figured two shots. I guess he had another three-point uh, where he made a basket, made a free throw. So you take that, so he took 15 shots from the floor. Two of his, uh, four, two of his free throws were attached to those shots, so that leaves 12. So that takes six shots to do that. So he took 21 shots and scored 42 points. That is really amazing. Rick, we've got a couple of callers if you want. Okay, let's take them. All right, let's uh, talk to Charlie and Camden. Charlie, you're on drive time. What's up, guys? Uh, Rick, I hear you talking about uh, Khalif Battles night the, uh, the other night over there. Is that what yeah. you're talking about? Yes. What a night. What a game. I mean, unbelievable performance. I don't, you know, back in the day, I could shoot it a little bit. But I don't know if I could stand there wide open. What do you shoot? Nine, what do you shoot from three? Nine for, what was it? Uh, six of nine. nine. For 12, six, six of nine. Okay. Y'all might could do that wide, side block, you know, wide open. But, you know, he just, he just was on fire. I think the thing that, you know, probably one of the big, most impressive things with him, you know, he's coming on defensively. I think that's one of the reasons why he's staying on the floor. Let's think about the game before and shot three for 15. But he stayed out there because he was rebounding. He was playing defense, and he's getting to the free throw line. So I think that's the key. And Trey's on here too, right? Yes. You yes. there, Mr. Biddy? Yes, I'm here. All right. Well, I have a question for you, sir. Um know everybody on Twitter is – and listen, rightfully so, we're all worried about who's going to start a quarterback for the team. And I understand that, but – no, after watching last year, I'm much more worried right now about the five guys that are in front of them. And and that's just because of what I saw last year. We had a good quarterback. I don't care what anybody says. I think KJ is going to be fine where he went. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we got to block some people. And yep. I know we got some guys on campus. Um, I want to know your confidence level. Um you know, you wouldn't have thought in year four that would be a struggle for Pittman. Do you think this team takes a huge step up front in the offensive line next year? And anyways, I'll hang up with you. Okay, thanks for calling. I, I hear what he's wanting me to say. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't say that yet. Uh, so, yeah, I think Arkansas has a pretty good defensive line. Um, I think they probably overestimated how good the defensive line was yesterday on based on practices and and uh, and overestimated you know how good the offensive line would be based on that competition. I think that played a role in it. But what we do know is that they recognized some issues and made a whole lot of changes. I mean, they've changed offensive line coach. Uh, they brought in three players. So 
I would be more concerned if they were just like, well, these guys are going to get better and, you know, <laughs> just going to move forward with what we're doing. Uh, so they brought in Addison Nichols. They brought in uh, Keyshawn Blackstock, and they brought in uh, Fernando Carmona, who I think is going to be really good for them. And they're getting a visit from Branson Hickman on March 8th. So that's the dead period ends on the 3rd, and the quiet period starts on the 4th. So from there on out, they can start hosting visitors. They're going to have a lot of visitors come in that weekend on, starting on the 8th. So uh, Hickman will be one of those guys. And he's a very well-regarded offensive lineman. He started a lot of games, 33 games for SMU, was an all-AAC performer. And he's a guy that a lot of schools – um, targeted or targeting, uh, but he's visiting Arkansas first. I, I spoke to him, and he seems really intrigued. So getting him, I think, would be another nice addition. It would give you the option with Nichols, you know, to maybe work him at guard, uh, but also know that he has that center background and, you know, probably roll with Hickman if you get him uh, at center. And then two new tackles, and then I, I still think they need to go out and get another offensive lineman. So I can't just say right now without having watched a single spring practice uh, how much better I think the offensive line might be or not having gotten any reports out of practice about what people are saying or what people are seeing. Uh, so, you know, in, in terms of the closed portions that will happen also. So, um, yes, they recognize the problems. Yes, you're right that if the offensive line isn't better, it doesn't really matter. I mean, just to show how bad the offensive line was, and it wasn't just them because the tight ends didn't block very well either. I mean, they just didn't. The running backs didn't block. The whole system didn't work very well. But for K.J. Jefferson, for a guy that we saw shuck tacklers one time after another, I mean, think about how many times you see K.J. shake off a, a would-be tackler, and he still was sacked 45 times. <laughs> My gosh. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, imagine if they didn't have a dual-threat guy back there. Oh, uh, so the offensive line, the tight ends, the running backs all had to become much better blockers. I do know this with Poppy Petrino. Uh, if you can't pass protect for him, and he, he would say this about running backs, um, then you can't play for him. So he's not going to put people out there if they can't protect. Trey, uh, Ace from Monticello has got a question for you. Okay. Go ahead, Ace. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh Look, I mean, briefly, I, we know what's going to happen with the basketball team. They're going to catch fire, win four, and take the automatic bid, get a 12 seed. The first four in that region will get beat in the first weekend, and we'll be back in the Elite Eight before you know it. Calm down. It's fine. It, it is happy hour, you know. Okay. <laughs> I, I just right, can't prove me wrong. Uh, no. Hope you're the right. That, the, the legitimate question uh, – when when does I know spring practice is coming along probably in quite a while down, but Trey, how much can you tell? Uh, I mean, given everything with you know transfer portals and all that, how much are we going to know at the end of spring practice uh, about you know about this team? Do you think? I mean, do, are you guys going to have enough access? How does that all yeah. work? To, so you can evaluate, maybe give us. A, so yeah, I'll, no, I'll hang a, up and listen. Thanks. thanks that's Chase. a good question. Uh, you know, I think spring. In the spring, I think access is, is should be allowed. Uh, where we don't have a whole lot of sports teams in this state, we have Arkansas, and um, I think having media there to talk about the team and say what they saw, and you know, fans are hungry for that information. I think it's very important. I remember when Brett Bielma got at Arkansas his first year, and they closed down the first four practices of spring football. It's like it never even happened. And you, you know, you've got a brand new coach and. Um, 
you know, excitement. And it's just like, and everybody else around the country is talking about spring football, and we had nothing, no interviews, no access, nothing. And so I always thought that was just a really poor play by Bielema to do that. Um, Bobby Petrino used to open up every single practice in its entirety. We watched all of it. Pittman has been definitely more closed, uh, typically giving us, you know, felt like last year maybe 20, 30 minutes, something like that. I think maybe we got to watch uh, one scrimmage almost in its entirety, uh, maybe two. Maybe we watched a good bit of another one. But also know at the end of last year after Dan Enos was fired, uh, practices were shut down entirely. We didn't have any access to practice. So I'm really hoping that's not the case this year. I just don't, I don't think that's a good way to do it because, you know, we're the, uh, we're the outlet to the fans in a lot of ways. And, that, you know, they've got other things that they do, Hogs Plus and stuff, but those are just really promotional deals. They're not going to have people who say what they really see and really think out there, and you know. So um, hopefully that we have plenty of, of access. I don't, again, it's the spring. I know that you have a new offensive coordinator in Petrino, but my thoughts are, you know, give us access. It certainly, I think, helps, um, you know, fan interest. I think it's mutually beneficial. Mr. Biddy, J.J. has a question for you. Go ahead, okay. J.J. Hey, Trey, um, we know that uh, that Coach Pittman, when he was on uh, other staff, not as head coach, but an offensive line coach, he was mm-hmm. uh, renowned as a great offensive line coach. But now as a head coach, you kind of oversee all departments. So, yeah. Fair or unfair, how, what do you think that so much of the line play was placed at his feet? Yeah, well, I think that's what would surprise anybody. Year four of Sam Pittman and the offensive line isn't up to snuff. What I'll say is the word was kind of when things were going bad and they were talking about changing things up, moving players around, uh, and Pittman said that he you know, wasn't going to have like any more influence over the offensive line than he had in person and had previously. When we were at practice, he was just with the offensive line the whole time. And so uh, I think he definitely recognized he needed to interject himself more there. But as the head coach, there's so many more responsibilities, especially nowadays, than there has been in the past. You know, you have to be you have to be able to manage your roster. You have NIL, all the recruiting responsibilities. I think it makes it pretty much impossible to be an offensive coordinator, as we used to see so often with head coaches. And I feel like seeing it less and less. So it's difficult, I think, but at the same time, it was really surprising to me that Pittman would let, um, you know, something like that slide under his watch because he does have such an impressive background as an offensive line coach um, and, and an evaluator, I mean, and a recruiter. I mean, he's, he's recruited some great offensive linemen in his time. So, I mean, guys that have gone on to uh-huh. the NFL draft, so you would think that he, he's got a pretty good eye for um, – you know, what it takes to compete on this level. And, you know, Arkansas had some guys that were just young. Devin Manuel was hurt a good bit of last year. I know they were really like his potential. They liked the potential of a lot of guys, but I think they just didn't fully realize it. You know, Patrick Kudis was pretty young, just 19 years old, getting thrown into the mix. Andrew Chambly also, um, you know, a little more inexperienced. As, you know, if you guys remember, I didn't say everything right, but about Andrew, I was kind of saying that, you know, he's still a year away, basically all fall camp, and he ended up having to be the starter for most of the year. Um, so, yeah, I think they 
and Bo Limmer, you know, I, th- I think Bo playing his first year at center just wasn't maybe as good as he would have been if it was two years in at center. I thought he played a lot better at guard in previous years, and Brady Latham really didn't have the year that he had had before. So a lot of offensive line questions, but they're warranted because that's – it doesn't matter how good Taylor Green is. If he doesn't have time or Jacoby Criswell or whoever wins the job, they don't have time to throw, then it's going to be a, a train wreck again. Okay, never a train wreck when Trey Biddy's on. Glad to have you, Trey. Hope you have a beautiful evening.